Hey everyone, before we start the episode, I wanted to share some exciting news. We have a YouTube channel now. We started posting our episodes with some cool images and videos, so you should definitely go check it out. You can find us at On Wildlife Podcast, and don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, welcome to On Wildlife. I'm your host, Alex Ray. On this podcast, we bring the wild to you. We take you on a journey into the life of a different animal every week. And I guarantee you, you're going to come out of here knowing more about your favorite animal than you did before. This week, we're going to be talking about an animal that lives among us, but we rarely ever see. They have extreme adaptations that help them survive, but they're not exactly the cutest to look at. Luckily, they can't see very well. So I hope you don't get too claustrophobic because we're heading into some underground tunnel systems to talk about moles. There are 42 different species of mole in the world and they can be found on every continent except for South America and Antarctica. There's the true moles, but then there are also several other groups of mole-like mammals that aren't really related to true moles, but have evolved through convergent evolution to fill the same ecological role as moles. Convergent evolution is when two species don't share a recent common ancestor, but develop similar features because of the environment that they live in. The size of moles ranges from less than 2 inches, seen in the American shrew mole, to up to 9 inches, seen in the Russian desmond. And while they may look like they're rodents, they're actually more closely related to hedgehogs and shrews. Most moles are covered in black or brownish fur, which even covers their eyes and internal ears. And they're considered fossorial, which means that they spend the majority of their life digging underground. And during the Middle Ages, moles were called moldwarps, which may have come from the Germanic term that meant earth thrower. Because of this, they have a lot of really cool adaptations that you don't see in many other animals. One of these adaptations is that they have dense fur that sticks straight up as opposed to normal mammalian fur that lays flat. This helps dirt and other particulates to not get stuck in their coats while they're moving around in their tunnels. Moles also have terrible eyesight because their eyes could be covered by fur or a layer of skin, but they have great hearing and an amazing sense of touch. They don't really need sight because of the fact that they spend most of their lives underground where it's completely dark. Mole muzzles come equipped with thousands of these structures called Eimer's organs. They protrude from the snout and contain sensory receptor cells that help them feel around. Not only is it really dark underground, but there's also not that much oxygen to breathe. But luckily, moles have a way around this as well. They're actually able to recycle exhaled air for more oxygen intake. This is due to a modified hemoglobin protein, which is found on our red blood cells to help transport oxygen. Because of this, they avoid the dangers of carbon dioxide poisoning, and the recycled air can be used while the moles dig their extensive tunnels, which we're going to talk about more later on in the episode. Moles are capable of traveling up to 4 miles per hour, and while this may seem unimpressive, the average walking pace for humans is between 2 and 4 miles per hour, so these little guys can really move for their size. 
But what kind of food can they eat when they live underground? Well, moles are insectivores, meaning that they primarily eat insects. But some moles have been known to go after fish and aquatic invertebrates like the star-nosed mole. The crazy part about the star-nosed mole is that it can actually smell underwater by blowing air bubbles and then sampling the air molecules in the bubble. Terrestrial moles will also eat fungi, the occasional small mammal, plants, and seeds. And amphibious moles, which spend some time in the water and some time on land, will also go after small amphibians like frogs. But by far, the food that moles eat the most are worms. One mole can eat up to 50 pounds of worms every year. And some species of moles will eat their own body weight in food every day. They find their prey by using their amazing sensory organs for touch and smell. And they can even sense the vibrations that their prey makes when it moves. The European mole has a really interesting technique to immobilize its prey. It uses its saliva, which is packed full of toxins, to subdue earthworms and bring them back to its burrow to eat at a later time. In one chamber, up to 470 live worms have been found immobilized by the mole's interesting hunting tactic. Now, let's get into some cool behaviors that moles exhibit, right after the break. The person that I want to recognize on this week's episode of Notable Figures in Science is Dr. Rebecca Lee Crumpler. She is known for being a pioneer by battling prejudice against women and African Americans in medicine by being the first black woman to get a doctorate of medicine in the U.S. She was also the only black woman to be accepted into Boston's New England Female Medical College in 1860, and after she earned her degree, she cared for children, women, and freed slaves in Virginia. Eventually, she moved back to Boston to care for people who couldn't afford medical care. She also published a book of medical discourses, which was about her years of practicing medicine and was meant for nurses and mothers. She dedicated her life to helping people in need and deserves to be recognized for that. If you want to learn more about Dr. Crumpler or this series, check out onwildlife.org. Okay, welcome back. Before the breeding season, which begins in late winter or early spring, moles usually live solitary lifestyles. But when breeding season rolls around, it becomes a different story. Male moles, also called boars, will dig larger tunnels than usual to try and acquire more territory in the hope that they'll find a female. If they do find one and they decide to breed, they build a breeding chamber and they're great architects because they know how to make an area that has good drainage. The chamber will usually be placed under a sturdy environmental obstacle, such as a rock or a tree stump, and then it'll be filled with leaf litter and other dry plant material. Shortly after breeding takes place, the moles part ways, and the mother raises the pups until they're old enough to venture out on their own. After a month-long gestation period, female moles can give birth to two to six fully blind young moles, called pups, and raise them in their nesting chambers. After 14 days, the pups will begin growing their own coats of fur. 
After three weeks, the pup's eyes will open, and at four or five weeks of age, they'll start eating the normal diet of earthworms, other insects, and plants instead of their mother's milk. Their time in the nest ends around 30 to 35 days, and they leave their home tunnel forever. Moles become sexually mature at the age of 10 months, and they can live anywhere from 3 to 6 years in the wild, depending on the quality of life. Moles can have large territory ranges, as there are about 3 to 5 moles per acre. They spend a lot of their time building out their personalized burrow systems, and apart from the breeding season, moles will try their best to avoid each other if their territories end up overlapping, but they're really not likely to meet each other. If two males do meet, some issues could arise. They'll usually end up fighting, which is dangerous for the moles, and could result in one individual dying. Even though most moles are solitary, one species is the exception to that lifestyle. That's the star-nosed mole. According to the Mass Audubon, the star-nosed mole lives in small colonies, only leaving after it pairs up in the fall and its pups are born. Different species of moles prefer different locations to make their homes with, and they're very particular with their soil. Some choose soil with better drainage in fields or meadows, and others make their home near wetlands where the soil is much damper. But we know that most moles do not like to live in acidic soil. Most moles have shovel-like paws that are curved backwards to help them dig their tunnels and burrows. Their digging motions are similar to a swimming stroke as they push the loose dirt to the surface. The saying, making a mountain out of a molehill, comes from the piling of excess dirt around the entrance to the mole's tunnel. Moles are willing to dig through most kinds of soil, but moist soil is much easier for them to get through. Their tunnels can be really complex and go for hundreds of feet, and the tunnels can have different chambers for different purposes. There's areas for storing food and materials, along with nesting chambers for themselves and their young, and breeding chambers, like we mentioned before. And they can build temporary tunnels or permanent tunnels. Most temporary tunnels lay pretty close to the surface, with the permanent tunnels being about 2 inches in diameter and laying 8 to 12 inches underground. But the deepest tunnels have been found to up to 15 feet below the ground. They are completely comfortable underground and can run backwards in their tunnels or perform somersaults to turn around in tight places. And they also have the perfect shape. They're kind of shaped like a tube, which is ideal for moving around through their tunnels. While they prefer staying underground, they'll occasionally venture above ground to find appropriate nesting materials, food, or new homes if the pups just left their mother's burrow. Many people also mistakenly think that moles enter hibernation in the winter, but this isn't the case. They're still just digging their tunnels and will even tunnel into the snow, later filling the snow tunnels with dirt. When the moles mix soil and snow in the winter, it can actually help to aerate the soil, making it healthier. What are more ways that moles can benefit the ecosystems that they live in? We'll find out right after the break. It's time for today's trivia question. Who is considered the father of taxonomy? A. Charles Darwin B. Gregor Mendel C. Carolus Linnaeus or D. Thomas Hunt Morgan 
the answer is C. Carolus Linnaeus published his classification system called binomial nomenclature in the 1700s. Binomial nomenclature is the system that gave each organism a two-part scientific name. For example, Tyrannosaurus rex or Homo sapiens. Alright, we're back. So, landscapers and homeowners don't think too highly of moles because they're thought to destroy gardens. But this actually isn't the case. Mice and voles use the tunnels that moles make, and they're usually the ones that eat the plants from your garden. And moles are really helpful to many different organisms, including us. As we just talked about, their tunnels can be repurposed by other animals. Moles are also great at keeping harmful insect populations in check because they eat so much every day. We also talked about how they can aerate the soil and turn it over while mixing in nutrients, which is especially helpful in areas of waterlogged soil. This really helps with plant growth, creating a healthy ecosystem. When moles eat pests that can harm plants, their foraging can also cause damage to the plants in the area, but it will be much less damage than if the pests aren't controlled at all. Some of these pests include cutworms and grubs, which are species that can disturb entire gardens by eating the roots and cutting off the stems of plants. Lastly, they also provide food to animals like foxes, cats, weasels, hawks, snakes, owls, coyotes, and many other species that eat moles. They have no real defense against these predators besides their burrows, and while that protects them from most of the predators, snakes are really good at digging, and they can easily make a meal out of a mole. Luckily, most species of moles are classified as least concern or aren't even listed at all by the IUCN with some species such as the Etigo mole in Japan or the Russian desmond listed as endangered. But this wasn't always the case. Around 50 years ago in Great Britain, mole populations were quickly falling as moles were trapped and killed. They were trapped for being nuisances, and professional mole trappers would sell their fur to be used in clothing, resulting in around a million moles being trapped every year. Mole populations are fairly stable now, with most seeing an increase in numbers due largely to a decrease in mole trapping. Besides being trapped, the biggest threat to moles used to be poison, but poisoning moles became illegal in 1996 after we realized it affected other animals as well. If you have a problem with moles or other small animals that you would deem as pests, I urge you to please not use glue traps. These glue traps are one of the most inhumane ways that you can trap these animals, as they'll most likely starve to death by not being able to move. With all that being said, it's great that most mole species are healthy. Because of this, there aren't many organizations that are working on mole conservation. So here are some organizations that focus on helping all small mammals. There's the Small Mammals Specialist Group, Small Mammals Conservation and Research Foundation, and Small Mammal Conservation Organization. Thank you so much for coming on this adventure with me as we explored the world of moles. You can find the sources that we used for this podcast and links to organizations that we reference at onwildlife.org. You can also email us with any questions at onwildlife.podcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at on underscore wildlife 
or on TikTok at OnWildlife. Don't forget to tune in next Wednesday for another awesome episode. And that's On Wildlife. You've been listening to On Wildlife with Alex Ray. On Wildlife provides general educational information on various topics as a public service, which should not be construed as professional, financial, real estate, tax, or legal advice. These are our personal opinions only. Please refer to our full disclaimer policy on our website for full details. Thank you.